Sri Vishnu Sahasranama, name 862, is Dhanur Veda. The previous name was Dhanur Dhara, and we discussed therein Dhanur. This word comes from Dhanush, which means a bow, as in archery. Dhanur Veda, Veda means knowledge, compiled knowledge. So Dhanur Veda means the science of archery, and more widely, more inclusively, uh, the Vedic science of weaponry, war, and so on. It's one of the Upavedas, um, in supplements, supplements to the Vedas for practical uh, sciences for application in this world. Uh, Ayurveda is one of them. And then Artha, Artha Shastra, dealing with uh, economics and <clears throat> related to that is Niti Shastra, which uh, Artha Shastra and Niti Shastra are essential for rulers, for kings. Niti Shastra means, uh, in this connection, it means the skills of uh, dealing with people. And Artha Shastra covers not just economics, but uh, the, the whole science of kingship. And then we have Gandharva Veda, which is concerned with music, dance, drama. It's a huge topic. Anyway, Dhanur Veda, this name of Lord Vishnu, is explained by Parashara Bhatta as an example of his, Vishnu's, being the propounder of all that is known and all that is worth learning. For instance, you could spend your whole life studying the mating habits of barn owls, but that wouldn't be very conducive for anything beyond the world of ornithology. It's not very relevant to human uplift and development. For that matter, fighting isn't, but that's why it's an Upaveda. Upaveda means a sub-Veda or, or an ancillary to the Vedas. Uh, fighting isn't central to the purpose of human life, which is to understand who we are, who is God, how to attain God. But at the same time, it is required in society because there'll always be miscreants. And uh, especially in this Kali Yuga, there'll always be uh, different kings trying to dominate others. So the science of warfare is required, but Parashara Bhatta takes Dhanurveda to, as representative of Vishnu being the propounder, the knower, the propounder of not only the Vedas which are meant for directly for addressing our human situation, but for everything practical also.
Dhanurveda. And and then the commentator says that the kings of men and the kings of gods, Indra, the king of the gods, they get their knowledge of this science of weaponry and warfare by his blessings. He gives the Dhanurveda and he propounds it. Now we may say, well, uh, that's not true, is it? I mean, the, the Kuru children, that, that means the, the Kuru children headed by Duryodhana <coughs> and the Pandavas headed by Yudhishthira, there is well known that they were trained in the science of weaponry by Drona, who is referred to in Bhagavad Gita as Acharya. He's referred to as Acharya because he taught the science of weaponry. But it's understood that in any branch of knowledge, among theists, it's understood, especially Vedic theists, it's understood that whatever knowledge we receive, we, we have to receive it through the gurus. But the gurus, they give their parampara, which goes all the way back to Narayana. And the mercy, the, the knowledge is given by Narayana originally, and the mercy to understand it, the ability to understand it, and very importantly, we can understand with Dhanurveda, with the science of weaponry, to incorporate it in our life, that comes through the mercy of Narayana. We'll say that it's the mercy of the Guru. <clears throat> That's true. The Guru is the representative of the Supreme Lord. Shankaracharya describes Dhanurveda to mean in reference to Lord Ramachandra, who we discussed in the last name, Dhanudhara, as Lord Ramachandra, Shankaracharya says, in this case, Dhanurveda. Veda means to know. So Rama is the knower of the science of archery in its fullness. Uh, Shankara says, Saeva Dasharathi Dhanurvedam Veti Iti Dhanurveda. The son of Dasharath. Now, of course, Dasharath had four sons, but generally when it said the son of Dasharath, if it's not otherwise qualified, it refers to Rama. So the son of Dasharath, he knows the science of archery to perfection. Kodanda Rama. Again, that name is there, Rama with his bow. There are others... Even at the time of Lord Rama, there were others who, who were highly skilled in the matter of warfare, but none were equal to Rama. Nabhuto Nabhavishyati. Neither at the time of Rama, nor prior to him, nor after him, was there anyone skilled in the science of archery, as was, was is, and always will be Rama. Rama is eternal. When we talk about archery, it's not like uh, we may think of medieval knights fighting or archery competitions at the Olympic Games, but it's much more sophisticated than that. The, 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 the mantras, the, the arrows, 
they were fired with mantras and the the bows, especially the very high-grade warriors, they'd have their own personal bows, which are they're, they're blessed with with mantra shakti and blessed with uh, mystic power. And Ram could do all other. He could he could shoot arrows as he wished. He could direct them without any computer programming. He could direct them as he wished. He could fire thousands of arrows at once, or one arrow could separate into thousands of arrows. He could send them out and retrieve them also as he wished. And even by the discharge of his arrows, he could make the ocean, just by firing an arrow, he made the ocean, the personality of the ocean, come and surrender to him. So Ram is the best of the bowmen. Now you may say, well, Krishna is the most complete form of the Supreme Lord, is he not? That's true. Uh, so is Rama better than Krishna? Well, he shows skill. He, he exhibits skill in archery. <clears throat> Typically, habitually, more than does Krishna. Krishna also sometimes fights with his bow, but it's not what he's particularly famous for. He's particularly famous for this is Lord Rama. We could say that uh, Vamana shows the, the ability to cheat more than does Krishna because he cheated Bali out of the whole universe. So different avatars, they may highlight particular qualities and become famous for them even more than Krishna. But the sum total, Purna Purushottam, the sum total of all uh, transcendental qualities and rasas, the, the experience that one gets from relation, that is Krishna. Akila Rasamrita Murti, Krishna. <clears throat> Satyadeva Vashishta almost predictably uh, interprets this name to mean that one who has given the means of self-protection to all creatures in his creation. Uh, he takes the term danush, meaning weapon, meaning a bow, to mean a weapon, and he extends its meaning generically to mean all uh, facilities given for self-protection from enemies. Uh, so, for instance, many animals have horns which protect them. The porcupine and the hedgehog have quills. The chameleon has the ability to change color. The human, apart from fists, which may be used to punch, uh, has intelligence. 
he defends himself by various intelligent means. Many creatures, their main means of self-defense is flight, either literally flying away, as with birds, or running as fast as they can. Lions and tigers have sharp nails and teeth, Vajranaka, Vajradangstra. Another meaning, Raghunathirta, another commentator, um, takes Dhanush as Pranava, Omka. We, in the last name, we discussed the verse from Kato Upanishad, which says that Pranava, Omka, is the bow and the atma is the arrow and the target is Brahman. So Raghunathirta explains Dhanur Veda to mean one he, Vishnu, who has propounded meditation on pranav as the means for self-realization. Another way this can be understood is that he arranges for his devotees to be served by those who have knowledge of missiles, weaponry, and all these. <clears throat> now, Baladev Vidya Bhushan, in this present series of names, is describing these names in terms of Krishna's winning various queens. This name, he says in uh, connection with the previous name, he described Dhanodhara as he, Krishna, who won Lakshmana, his wife Lakshmana, in the Swayamvara by shooting the arrow at, at it's a very difficult task was given. So Dhanurveda, knowledge of bows, which means knowledge of bows and arrows. So Baladev says that Dhanurveda means that piercing the fish's eye was something that only he, Krishna, could do. He had knowledge of where's the fish, how to aim at it, as spoken by Shukadev Goswami. Parto yato srijad barang nachenat pasprashe param bhagavan dhanur adaya sajji kritya chalilaya tasmin sandhaya vishikhang Matsyang Viksha Sakrijjale Chitveshuna Patayatang Muhurte Bijite Stite Arjuna, great attention and care, discharged an arrow, but it just grazed the fish. It didn't pierce it. Taking up the bow and very easily stringing it. Krishna placed an arrow on it, 
looked once at the reflection of the fish in the water, and just at midday, the Abhijit Nohuta, the time of victory, he pierced the fish with the arrow, making it drop down, and won the hand of Lakshmana. Name 863 is Danda. It's a well-known term. <clears throat> well-known to mean stick. It can also mean a measurement of time, but here it's used as stick. The word is derived from the root dam, which gives the idea of punishment or subduing. Danda is a term for a staff. Is a danda, sannyas danda, the kind of danda that's carried by a sannyasi, symbolic of his being a sannyasi. We also find in the Roman Catholic tradition something similar. It's called a crozier or a pastoral staff, a bishop's staff, a paterissa. It's a stylized, decorated staff that is symbolic of the carrier being a bishop. The king also traditionally has a scepter, the sign of his power and majesty. It's not for anyone to hold that. Danda, in this context, refers to the means, the stick is the means to administer punishment or subjugating. Danda can also mean punishment. But here it refers to the means to administer punishment. And that is the meaning that is given by Parashar Bhatta, that he is the source of punishment for the wicked. In this world, the kings are supposed to... Now we're talking about dharmic kings, those who follow the principles and the laws of dharma. They are duty-bound to punish wrongdoers. Failure to do so is not mercy. The mercy of the king is to give the mercy of the Supreme Lord to wrongdoers in the form of punishment. In this way, they protect the pious people and they, uh, up, they uphold the whole system of dharma in society. So this whole system and the power invested in the king derives from Bhagavan. Therefore, he is known as Danda. Shankaracharya quotes Bhagavad Gita, where Lord Krishna says, Dando Damayatam Asmi. Among all means of suppressing lawlessness, I am punishment. From Srila Prabhupada's purport, there are many suppressing agents. Srila Prabhupada doesn't elaborate on this. Uh, it could be said that the 
The parents, they suppress the children from their animalistic tendencies. The, uh, the body itself has built-in means of regulation and suppression. If you eat too much, you tend to get sick, for instance. Srila Prabhupada writes, there are many suppressing agents of which the most important are those that cut down miscreants. When miscreants are punished, the agency of chastisement represents Krishna. So that's true up to the present day. The criminal justice system punishes criminals. And in this way, uh, helps to maintain law and order within the state. Of course, in the present time, it's, uh, not, it's not seen that it's possible to fully suppress all miscreants. But the same principle applies. Namarva, the... Uh, quoted so many times in this series, the, you can say um, yeah, the original Acharya, or the original Arva in the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya. He describes in his Tiruvayamurli Pasaram the intensity with which the Supreme Lord punishes the wicked. He showers his deadly piercing, fiery rain shower of arrows to pierce the very life source of the wicked asuras, the demons. Phew, that sounds really nasty. But he does it because those demons, their, their whole nature is so wicked and vile that mercilessly they torture the people of the world. So although it may seem that Bhagavan is merciless, he's merciless on those who are merciless. So it's like two negatives become cancelled out and it becomes positive. So this is his mercy, his danda. One form of his mercy is his punishing. And this we can uh, see this description is very apt when we here again about the punishing of uh, punishing by Lord Ram on uh, Kara Dushana standing alone. One man, of course, he's the supreme lord, standing alone. He defeated the hordes of the Rakshasas, the first real major warning to the Rakshasas, the news. Of course, anyway, that's not, I should not digress too much. Danda, he punishes the demons in hell. And this way, by coming in every age, Bhagavan reassures his devotees that those evil persons who <clears throat> make the devotees suffer, will be punished by him. Now, at least in our Gorya Sampradaya, we don't emphasize this kind of thinking, but some Vaishnavas 
Medu. Gorya Sampradaya is more of wanting to redeem the sinful, but it is part of the Lord's Leela. He says, Vinashayata Dushkritam, I come to destroy the evil people. And we do that, we see, uh, particularly as Rama, as Parashurama, as Kalki, as Krishna, a lot of killing going on. Uh, another meaning that Danda, he control, subduing, for the devotees and the aspiring yogis and transcendentalists, he gives them the ability to control, to subdue their senses. He is Danda, the, the Yama, Yama Danda. Yama has a stick, his power of punishment. Radha Krishna Shastri interprets his name that he, Vishnu, is called Danda because he represents the punishment of... Another meaning that can, that can be derived is because he is the source of restraint. Danda, Daman, restraint, that all beings have to act according to his rules. Of course, we may have a little freedom to do this or that, but for instance, with this human body, I can't fly in the sky. He's, he's set up the world in such a way that we're all restricted. We, ha we have, he places restrictions on everyone. Another Meaning in, in this form of restriction is given by Baladev Vidya Bhushan, with, uh, who's discussing how the Lord wins his brides in various Svayangva ceremonies. So, Danda, who overpowers Damyati, who overpowers the rival kings in the various Svayangva ceremonies. Then another meaning is taking the word not as danda but as adanda is given by Satyasandha Tirtha. He who no one else controls. Adanda. He's not under the danda. He's not under the stick. He's not under the control of anyone else. Just a few names back we had the name Adrita. Means unconstrained, unrestrained. So in this way all the Various names, they can be seen in different lights, interpreted in various ways, and various commentators have done so. And in these various ways, they share their uh, realizations in ecstasy of this Supreme Personality of Godhead who is glorified in Vishnu Sahasranama. Name 864 Dhamayeta. So again, we have Danda now, Dhamayeta. So the, the root from which this name is derived is the same as the previous one, Danda. Dhamma, to suppress, to tame. The difference is, is that in the last name, that referred to Bhagavan being the source or the instrument of punishment of the wicked. And the current name refers to being he who 
administers the punishment. And we're going to see just upcoming the, uh, the name Yama, who is a great punisher. So he's the one who punishes. When the king punishes, it's seen that actually he's doing so. It's Vishnu punishing. If the king is doing it um, dharmically, for the sake of dharma and in a dharmic manner. Now, he who punishes, the subduer, and another meaning, he is the subduer of the enemies of his devotees. It's just his very nature to do so. He will not allow demons like Ravana to continue living in this world. Of course, if they were to reform, but they don't reform. Now, you may say, well, Rama killed Ravana because Ravana abducted Sita, the wife of Rama. But even if Ravana had not done that, Rama would have suddenly sought out Ravana and killed him because apart from the misdeed that Ravana perpetrated against Ram by stealing his wife, that was his regular habit, to abduct women. Uh, so he deserved he, to be killed. It was the duty of Rama to kill Ravana anyway. So Krishna takes avatars in this world specifically for this purpose. Vinashayata dushkritam. He comes to this world in his various avatars, particularly for the sake of crushing, subduing, punishing the wrongdoers. Ete changshakala pungsa. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Indrari vyakalam lokam. Vidyanti yuge yuge. In the description in the Bhagavatam, it says that Krishna. <clears throat> There are so many avatars of him, but Krishna is the original form of the Supreme Lord. And he and his various angshas and kalas, his various expansions and parts, they appear in this world in every age uh, when the enemies of Indra disturb the world. Namalva, again in his Tiruvayamoli Parasaram, describes that Bhagavan, he's transcendent to everything, he's naturally blissful, but he takes birth, appears to take birth among us. He goes through what at least appears to be suffering, as particularly in the form of Rama, for our sake. And for our sake, for the sake of the righteous, presuming we are righteous, well, we are trying to serve Krishna. He goes after the wicked, seeks them out, and destroys them. 
for their benefit. For those who have no interest in worshipping him, he benefits them by killing them. That's a bit difficult for the moralistic atheists to understand. <clears throat> Shankaracharya interprets this name to this name, Damayata, to mean he is the subduer in the form of Yama, Yamaraj, and other such rulers, those who mete out punishment. In this regard, Shankara quotes from the Gita, Yama Sang Maham, among subduers, I am Yama. And that can be understood in terms of Yama also meaning rules and regulations or codes of moral conduct. But here, it's, the way it's quoted, it particularly means the overseer, the representative of Krishna in the material world who oversees the punishment of sinful people. Satyadeva Varshishta takes this name to mean that he subdues those who violate the rules of dharma which are established by him. And Krishnadatta Bharadvaj gives the interpretation that he subdues or dispels the miserable condition of his devotees who are in this material world, separated from him, by taking them out of this world of misery, by releasing them from this world of birth and death. This is similar to the way Parasha Bhatta has interpreted a, a name, a similar name, Damana, Damana, which comes much earlier, at name 192. There, at name 192, Damana, Bhatta stressed the role of Damana as a subduer, that he, Bhagavan subdues the suffering of his devotees. He's always acting in the interest of his devotee, either uh, relieving their suffering In, in this life, or completely delivering them from the whole of the suffering condition of material existence. And just by showing himself, or having his devotees contemplate him, then he relieves them from suffering. Immediately, when a devotee thinks of Krishna, he becomes relieved from suffering. So the subduer of the enemies of his devotees, external, internal enemies. Baladev Vidyabhushan takes this to mean Damayata, the tamer, who, can, who tamed the seven bulls in the Swayamvara of Nagnajiti. You have to know the 10th canto of Bhagavatam to appreciate how nicely Baladev Vidyabhushan is relating these names to the pastimes of Krishna. <clears throat> uh, from the Madhva Sampradaya, 
a very typically Madhva type explanation. Bhagavan Vishnu, Paramatma Vishnu, is called Danda. Vancha kalpa tarubhyas charki pasindubhya evacha patita nam pavane bhyo vaishnave bhyo namo namaha. Dante nidhaya tunakang padeya nipatya kritvacha kakushatameta dahambravimi. He sadava sakala eva vihaya durad. Gauranga chandra charane kurutanu radaha. Parivadatu jano yata tata va nanu mukarona vayang vicharayamaha. Hari rasa madirama dati mata bhuvi vilotama nartama nirvishama. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare.